0: Pressure. steps away, throwing, tip, incomplete. The Packers are going to win it. Devondre Campbell says no, no, he got his hands on it. And Green Bay's going to hang on.
1: One thing we always talk to our guys about, how do you respond when adversity strikes? And I thought our defense, you know, allow a touchdown there in the two-minute drive and reset themselves
2: and play that final play. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills.
3: I I think over the last couple of years on this show, talking about the Packers, I'd say I've been very middle of the road to maybe slightly to the negative side. You know, if Packers media or Wisconsin media, sports media, is a spectrum, I think I'm pretty close to the middle or or maybe more on the negative side. I am not Cheesehead TV. I'm not that, right? I'm not Carry the G. Hell yeah, you know, all the championships in the 60s were great, right? Like, I I want wins now. If you're not making the Super Bowl, that is a failed season. You're coming up short, right? So the last couple of years, I think I've probably been, I don't know, negative is carries such weight. I don't think I've been negative about the Packers, but I haven't I haven't obviously been ending the season the way that I want. I don't think any of us have, right? But I tell you what, I might be leaning towards the other side of the aisle this season. I might be joining our, our friend Travis and Holman. Maybe you heard his call yesterday. He is our resident Packers homer. Concludes every call with uh, the Packers will win the Super Bowl. Speak it into existence. I think I'm going over to that side of the aisle because I'm sick and tired of the last couple of weeks Turning on sports radio or turning on sports TV the day after a game and listening to some sports broadcaster explain why, yeah, your team won, but don't be excited about it. It's so, it's such crap content. It's not good. That's easy. Anybody can do that. It's like America comes together, watches Sunday Night Football. Team XYZ wins a close game. Wow, what a, oh, what a great game. Congrats to that team for winning. And then the Colin Cowherds of the world the next day come on TV. Well, I know everyone's celebrating Team XYZ after last night, but it really wasn't that good of a game. I'm actually more concerned about them now. It's just so lazy. So if anything, this year so far, I'm going to be more positive than normal. I'm going to overextend myself because I don't want to be that guy that's a wet blanket after a win. I feel like too many sports talkers are taking that lane, and it's just annoying. It's cheap. Oh, everyone's excited about this thing? Here, let me be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. So maybe some more Packers optimism on the horizon. This, this season's fun. I think it's going to be a little different than maybe the last <laughs> two or three. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Man, I'm glad you're here. We're going to have a fun show tonight. A lot, a lot of interesting things to hit. We're going to hit Mike Clements. Well, not hit him. We're going to speak with him, though, at 5.30. You hear him all across the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I don't know if he was on with Ebo this morning. Maybe in the 9 o'clock hour. Maybe I missed it. Uh, I know he's with Bill a couple of times a week. You hear him all over the place. He is everywhere. He is inevitable. Mike Clemens will join us. Talk about the game on Sunday, what he saw, and then what he heard in the locker room and in Green Bay and press conferences today. You know, the coach speaks the Monday after a game, which obviously was yesterday, so we'll be able to talk to Mike about what he saw yesterday and the day before. He'll join us at 530 I want to talk about Matt Lafleur a little bit tonight, and I said I'm, I'm going to be Packers optimism guy, at least a little bit more this year than than years past. But I do I do have a a, a bone to pick or a nit to pick. It's not a bone; it's smaller than a bone. It's just a nitpick. Matt Lafleur. Going to talk about that just a little bit tonight, and seeing we predicted last weekend's game so well, so accurately, I think we should try our hand again. And I, I have a pretty strong feeling about how this Sunday's game is going to go, and why we're going to talk about that. In about 20 minutes, 608-796-2558. If you want to give me a call or give me a text. And as always, I am on Twitter at Wisco Grant. You don't have to just tweet me during the show. Tweet me anytime. I love fighting online or agreeing online. Uh, But find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of tonight's show, a few PSAs, public service announcements, uh, a couple housekeeping items, if you will. Just some small things I want to get out of the way with. Before we proceed and before we really get into some of the big picture Packers stuff that I want to talk about today, I want to start with the Brewers really quickly, really quickly. And I want to start with the Brewers by uh, quoting the venerable William Shakespeare, one of my favorite quotes. Some men are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. You may have first heard that quote, as did I, in the classic piece of cinema, Night at the Museum, delivered by Robin Williams to one Ben Stiller. Rest in peace to Robin Williams. right, but that's Shakespeare. Some men are born great. Some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. I'm going to edit the words, respectfully, of William Shakespeare to say, some teams are born great, some teams achieve greatness, and some teams have greatness thrust upon them. I say to our Milwaukee Brewers tonight, Just hours before they go to battle with the St. Louis Cardinals. Three series left. Two games set against the Cardinals. Four games against the Marlins of Miami. And then three games against the Arizona Diamondbacks. I say this to our Brewers. In 2020, the Brewers had greatness thrust upon them by Major League Baseball. Because Major League Baseball decided in 2020, after only playing 60 games, we're going to let basically everyone into the playoffs. If you're a slapdash team with a hope and a prayer, you get into the postseason. The Brewers had greatness thrust upon them in 2020. In 2021, I would contend that the Brewers were born great. He started a little slow, but after getting Willie Adamas, the piece they needed, man, they grabbed hold of the NL Central. Never looked back. That team was born great. That was, that was a well-constructed roster, and really from mid-May on, the team was excellent. This 2022 team, the team we watch now, and the team whose season's end is rapidly approaching if they don't win some games. This 2022 team, much like the 2018 team before them, has a chance to achieve greatness. This team was not born great. Well, I think they were born great, and then David Stearns shot the roster in the stomach. I don't don't think this team, in theory, for the purposes of this conversation, was born great. I don't think they've had greatness thrust upon them, Although this division is doing its darndest. This is a team that has to achieve greatness. Okay? Willie Adamas, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Hunter Renfro. Let's carry these boys to the playoffs. We're right there. Split this series or win both games against St. Louis. Take a majority of the games against the Marlins and the Diamondbacks. And just hope the Philadelphia Phillies continue to do what they do. Lose games. Melt down at the end of the year. The Brewers are in hot Pursuit. Of that final wild card spot. So we'll see how it pans out. They're game and a half back. Achieve greatness. Seize it. Take it. Brewers, please. I want a little playoff heat here in the final week of the season. Another housekeeping item that I want to hit on really, really quickly. I'm not one to tell you how to spend your money. I've never been that way. I'm not a sports better I'm not a sports prognosticator or predictor, although after last week, I feel like maybe I should try my hand more often because we, again, nailed Packers Buccaneers right down to the dirty little details. I'm looking ahead at this weekend. Packers Patriots. Oh, it was 10 and a half earlier today. It's moved to 10. I loved it at 10 and a half. I might bet this all the way out to 13. Packers minus 10 at Lambeau coming off a confidence-wielding bin or confidence- Confidence-building win. Confidence-wilding bin. Same thing. They're coming off a win in Tampa Bay where they never win against a tough team who they never beat and a quarterback that no one ever beats. And now they're playing a team without their starting quarterback in Lambeau in the primetime slot, at least in the afternoon. Woo, 10? Yes! Give me that number. Total's 40 and a half. I'm up at the over, too. I think the Packers are going to score 35 points in this game just by themselves. Again, not telling you that you need to bet. I'm not even suggesting. I'm just saying this is how I feel. I might lay a little scratch. I I never bet by myself. I always convince a couple of my friends to do it with me. Fun social thing, you know. I don't gamble. I gamble socially. (laughs) You ever heard that one before? I don't don't smoke. I I smoke and drink socially. Why? I I gamble socially. I texted a couple of buddies this morning. I said, ah, 10 and a half Packers. Maybe kind of fun. You guys want to throw a fiver on it? 10 each? 10 bones on the Packers to cover 10 and a half? Now it's down to 10. Oh, this is our day. I'm just saying, bookmark that. If gambling is your thing, maybe give it a sniff. It'd be a fun thing to do as a show. Okay, that's it for housekeeping. I want to talk about Matt LaFleur tonight. And I think Matt LaFleur and discussion around Matt LaFleur is going to take up a lot of time on tonight's show. I nominated him for Mount Notice this morning on Over the Line with Ebo, Nelson, and RJ. I said, hey, guys, I don't want to hijack your show here, but you guys do this bit called Mount Notice I would like to nominate Matt LaFleur for Mount Notice. I have some nits to pick with Coach Matt LaFleur right now. And again, I don't mean to poo-poo the Packers after a win. That's not what I'm trying to do. I hate people who do that. I hate people who say, hey, I know everyone's really excited about this game yesterday, but let me be the guy to be pissing vinegar about it. Oh, great, Cowboys won with Cooper Rush. Well, that doesn't matter, and I'm about to tell you why. Don't don't be that guy. I'm not being that guy about the Packers. No one likes that guy. But I, I, I do want to... Put Matt LaFleur on Mount Notice. Put him on blast a little bit here. Just fire a shot across his bow. Since 2019, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, David Paciari, all of these pieces on offense, and even Devontae Adams for the first two years of Matt LaFleur's tenure, or was it three? It would have been three years. Three years of Devontae Adams and Matt LaFleur as this is Matt LaFleur's fourth year. Wow. Right? I have that right? Yeah, 19, 20, 21, 20. Yeah, it's four years, man. Ever since 2019, when Matt LaFleur first got here, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Bakhtiari, all these guys, this offense has been outstanding when comfortable. Okay? Great. They hum. Oh, that motor's purring. Putting points on the scoreboard. Yeah. But at the first slight inconvenience they face, they fold and they don't just, they don't just scuffle. They don't just trip up. They fall flat on their face and they do not move to the point where they'll score 21 points. One little thing happens. They are done scoring. That is it. That is all. So the defense better hold on. And in 2019, they held on to a lot of games. 2020, the offense would score more, but still was prone to shutdowns here and there, like in Tampa. I want to talk about that game, throw it back to that game uh, in our next segment. The first slight inconvenience, this Packers offense folds, flops, fails, and even worse, they get mopey. They get mopey. Just go three and out, three and out, three and out. And every three and out, they get more mopey and they hang their head and the body language isn't great. And it's not just Rodgers, it's everybody. And I'm sorry, but when needed, when necessary, I want my coach to be able to administer a swift kick in the ass. I want Matt LaFleur to have that bullet in his clip. I, I want him to have that tool in his toolbox when the offense is struggling and everyone on the field is mopey, Matt LaFleur needs to be the guy to go, I see what's happening and I am going to address it. Right? I understand it's a player-led team. I think that's very progressive and smart in the year 2022. I think the best coaches are the ones that relate with their players and empower the player leaders to really lead the way. And it's not just the Packers. It's a huge a huge number of teams in the NFL are run that way and that's great. But when things start going poorly, I don't want Matt LaFleur standing on the sideline with that look on his face that says, I hope they can figure it out because I got nothing. I I hope somebody out there fires the troops up because I I got nothing. No, I want Matt LaFleur to be better at pushing this button when he needs to, pulling this lever when he needs to, turning this crank when he needs to. Like, he's got to be a little bit better of a puppet master. Right? I, I want him to be able to give a kick in the pants when necessary to Aaron Rodgers. Because I think sometimes it is necessary. Rodgers is so in his head about some of these mistakes because I think he understands the game at such a high level. He notices all these little details. Whereas a player like Favre, more blissfully ignorant. Favre would throw an interception and think nothing of it because he thinks he can come back on the next drive and make a play. Rodgers needs to have more of that, except he's wired way different, so he's never going to have some of that. So I think it needs to fall on the coach to know when to get in there and push a button to kind of breathe some life and excitement back into this offense. And Matt LaFleur just hasn't been able to do it. So yes, I am nominating Matt LaFleur to be placed on Mount Notice. I love a lot of things he did. I thought the game plan against Tampa was very, very good. But once Tampa made some adjustment, started playing some man, and really started bringing the safeties down near the box and forcing the Packers to make big plays and go deep, Packers didn't really have... An adjustment. They didn't have a counter. Part of that is personnel related. Both Tampa and Green Bay's offense was very under, under, under manned on Sunday. Very much so. So it's not as simple as, well, now we'll do this and we'll score more points. No, no, no. The defense is really good. But Malafleur, like when things are going well, it's great. But when things go poorly, he doesn't have what this team needs. And he needs to get it. Otherwise, I fear that we're going to have more games like this. And it might just... Happened in the playoffs too, which has been the case for the last couple of years. 608 796 2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant. You can follow me there as well. Let's take a break, come back. I want to talk more about this offense and how they just, they're great and they're getting it and they're scoring and they're running the right things and doing the right things. And then it dies and it just can't be resuscitated. It can't be brought back to life ever. And we need to change that. I have some examples that I want to discuss coming up next. It's the Wisco Sports Show. We're back in three minutes.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
3: Wisco Sports Show, maybe I'm underserving. Uh, this group as the host and the leader of these great conversations we have every night from 4 to 6. Maybe I'm underserving this community today. Did we want to do the thing about Rodgers seeing something on the Jumbotron on Sunday? And then he relayed that to the coach and something or other. I, I'm looking at a pro football talk headline here because I saw Rogers went on to McAfee today and I didn't have time to cut the sound and maybe we'll do that tomorrow. I don't know. We have enough to talk about without playing long clips from somebody else's radio show. Although I love Pat McAfee. This is what Pro Football Talk. This is what Florio tweeted. After Sunday's win, Aaron Rodgers created the impression that he saw something on the jumbotron to help the Packers stop the final two-point conversion in Tampa. On Tuesday, Rodgers said that wasn't the case. That is what he said. He didn't create that impression on Sunday. He said that that's what happened. Now I gotta go watch the video. Now nah, this is the whole thing. Why? Why did I know on Sunday that when I I heard in the post-game presser or was it on the on-field interview, Rodgers talked about how sometimes they. They show things on the Jumbotron that they shouldn't, and, and I saw it and I passed it along. I'm like, this is going to become a thing. I don't know how this becomes a thing, but it'll be a thing. And I guess today he's he's saying something different, <laughs> Florio says. I don't know. I haven't had time to watch it. FedEx Fred is here, 608-796-2558. Fred, what was your take on this? Did Rogers see something? What's going on here?
0: Oh, the jumbotron, jumbotron thing, I have no idea about. Yeah, and I don't, I don't I, either. That's I just fun. took it as Rocker saying something. Yeah. You okay. know, and then okay. and then he'll walk it back or he'll go farther. Out. I was waiting for the day that you did this conversation today. Okay. Because there is something about the Green Bay Packers. After two possessions of the ball, their offense either, either just goes to a complete stall, mm-hmm. or it keeps firing on all cylinders, and I, have some, I think it has something to do with the pre-planned play calling already for the first 15 to 20 plays. Okay. Because it almost seems like they're really honed in on those 15 to 20 plays when they first start off the game. And then all of a sudden they go off script, and that's when everything starts to fall apart. So, but you can't script
3: the whole and game. And I don't know if you, know what I mean. you can't script the whole game. So you're saying once no. they run out of yes. the scripted plays.
0: Okay. Yes. Once they're out of the scripted plays, something happens with that offense. And I can't quite put my finger on it yet. But it's almost like some of the guys don't quite fully understand the playbook yet. And then other guys do. Or if it's just a lack of of, I don't know, confidence in the other plays that they'll they be calling. Something happens where they just go, like you said, flatline. They just kind of go, okay, let's see how this goes. This is gonna this could be bad or this could be really bad. You know what's
3: weird, Fred, is I, I feel like, and again, I, I don't want to assume things about Rodgers, but we've watched him long enough. I feel like we should be able to spitball maybe the way that he thinks a little bit. I feel like Rodgers, the way he's wired... I think he he couldn't wait to be out of the scripted plays. You know what I mean? I feel like Rogers is like all right, fine, we're done with the scripted plays. Now we can actually yeah. I can go to work. So it's weird. I, I feel like it would be the other way around. Maybe the scripted plays would be kind of clunky because Rogers well, feels a little bit constrained, and then he's get he gets the freedom after that. But it's been it's been backwards. Yeah, it's been the other way
0: around. To For me, Aaron yeah, Rodgers reminds me of a chess player who's about ready to go play a chess game and he plays the whole entire game in his head before he goes out there. So, to me, it's like Aaron Rodgers goes, I already got my first 15 moves Find out. Okay. After this, now I can start taking control of the game. You know, they, what do they usually give him Two or three plays to call him a little? A pass, a run, and then uh, there's always another one? That's where he succeeds, but I feel like the rest of the team, maybe it's because they're young, wide receiver core, they don't quite know everything that's where they get lost. And I don't know if that's LaFleur having to come in and be like, hey, you guys, we got to hammer down these plays, or if it's Aaron Rodgers just truly is the smartest guy on the field and he sees things that other
3: people can't see. Interesting. I weirdly think that weighs him down sometimes, right? Because what you don't know can't hurt you, right? What you don't think about can't worry you, can't stress you and maybe that's weirdly maybe it weighs Rogers down. The burden of all this immense knowledge and depth of understanding, it's just it's crushing him slowly.
0: That's Sometimes it
3: looks
0: like it because sometimes he yeah. probably overthinks. Yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's like, oh, this defense. This is the defense. I know I played it. And then all of a sudden they switch and he's like, oh, junk. <laughs> he uh-huh. just screwed up. Yeah. Well,
3: you never overthink anything, Fred. I love your takes. So I appreciate the call. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a dig, man. Yeah, you as well. Oh, sorry if you were cutting out there. I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry about that, Fred. Thanks for the call. 608. 608- Seven, nine, six, two, five, five, eight. See, I was joking a little bit that Rogers is like weighed down by the weight of his brain is too big. It's weighing him down. And Fred's like, oh, actually, maybe (laughs) like nothing is off the table when we are trying to figure out what goes on with the Packers. Because Aaron Rodgers is such an interesting guy. There's so many layers here. Right. And the offense sometimes just shuts off and we can't really put our finger on it. And I'm starting to think at this point, maybe Rodgers on the floor can't either. I was listening to the What's Right with Nick Wright podcast last night because I like Nick Wright. And he was talking about Buccaneers-Packers, Sunday's game. And he compared that game to a game that I should have remembered. Shame on me. I forgot about this game. This should have been the first bit of precedent we pulled up. Should have been the first bit of evidence we we brought to the, the jury yesterday in terms of the offense just shutting off like it's a kinked hose. We thought of San Francisco in the playoffs, thought of Minnesota in week one. Think back two years ago, even further. 2020. I know 2020 is a year we all try to forget, but actually I remember this game very fondly, even though it didn't go well. October 17th. I had a good time this day. I drove up to Woodbury to visit a buddy who was living there at the time. We just hung out because during the pandemic, it seemed like the world was falling apart, but we could kind of just do whatever we wanted. I remember when we first started kind of tightening things up in March of 2020, I remember asking my boss, And I had rehearsed it in my head a million different ways. Like when you're asking your parents for something, it's like, hey, I got to have my ducks in a row. I remember talking to my boss. It's like, "Uh, so uh, I got a call from one of my friends and uh, they all just got class canceled for a couple of weeks. And I did, too. So we were thinking maybe we were going to drive out to Montana and do some fishing. She's like, oh, yeah, go, go. Have a great time. We don't want you in the building anyways. Get out of here. Go. I'm like, whoa. So there are. No rules in 2020. Hell yeah! So this was just a couple of months after that. That was in March when things were were obviously really closed down. By this point, we gotten there a little bit, but October 17th, right? We're going into our first COVID winter. And I drove up to Woodbury. I was watching the game with one buddy, and another guy came over. And we met. We met. Went to the bakery before the game. Got some cinnamon rolls. Love getting cinnamon rolls for football on Sundays. And we were just watching this game. Packers took a 10 to nothing lead in Tampa Bay. You remember this? And Rogers is paying tribute to Kean Peel in the end zone. He's doing the hip thrust, the the humping, bumping celebration. And then after that, the Packers gave up 38 unanswered points, including 28 points in the second quarter alone. It's like rough. <laughs> I think Rodgers is such a perfectionist that it hurts him. That slide in that game started with Rodgers throwing a pick six. And I think that play and that mistake, that pick six, surprised even Rodgers to such a degree that it like broke his brain for the rest of the game. And again, would never happen to Favre because Favre would make a mistake and be like, oh, shucks, I'm going to go, you know, misallocate welfare funds. No, no, no. What Favre would say at the time is, I'm going to go back into the game and I'm going to rip it again. And by the time I get back out there, I will have forgotten what happened on the last possession because I don't really care. The only thing that matters is the future, baby. I don't have a good Favre. Right. But I, I think Favre and certain other quarterbacks, maybe Mahomes is like this little. They're so cavalier and they're such gunslingers where if they make a mistake, it's like, all right, shucks, charge it to the game. Go out in a couple of minutes. We try again. And Rogers just can't do that. He doesn't feel it the same way. And, you know, when Rogers and the offense is clicking and the offense is working, they might be better than anyone in the league. When you can take that car out on a smooth road and there's no adverse conditions, that thing occurs. But as soon as there's a little little bump, a little snow, a uh, little you know, fog, something to mess up the visibility, it's I mean, it's a train wreck. It's a train wreck. This is a make hay while the sun shines offense, and when the sun is shining, they make more hay than anyone, but got to do better when it's rainy, right? Farm, my farmers out there, I grew up in a farming town, farmers still got to make ends meet, even when the weather stinks, even when it's not conducive for farming and we're not getting a big crop and the, the conditions are tough, you can't just punt on the year. We got to harvest. We got to make money. We got to keep the farm going. So, yeah, when the offense is purring and everything's working and it's going according to plan, yeah, absolutely rack up points. Make hay while well the sun shines. But when it's not going well, that doesn't mean you just score zero points. There's got to be more of a middle ground. Right? You got to be able to make hay when it's raining too, not just when the sun shines. Let's take a break. Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. Pete and Chipwa says your Farv impression sounds like Elvis. <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe it does. <laughs> That's about all I can do. I don't really have a Farv. I don't. I don't have a Farv. Yesterday I tried to do a Rob Reichel. I don't think it went very well. I love Rob. We should we should get him on this week. Let's see what Rob's up to later this week. Maybe he wants to talk Badgers, Ohio State. I know Rob loves talking Brewers. I'm sure he'd be thrilled to do that. (laughs) Maybe Rob Reichel later in the week. I just recorded with Bart Winkler earlier today. He's going to be on the show on Friday. He's got a a funny Oktoberfest story. So that'll, that'll fit what's going on later this weekend. Again, thank you for the text. Pete and Chippewa, 608 796 2558. You can find me on Twitter as well at Wisco Grant. Wisco Sports Show back in five minutes. sports show. Talking Packers tonight. Little Matt Lafleur, Little Aaron Rodgers, of course.
4: We're
3: going to talk about what's coming up this Sunday. I'm going to try my hand at predicting some more games. Calling my shot a little bit more. Because we nailed this last week and I feel like we should keep this momentum going. Let's call our shot a little bit. Let's lay it on the line. Why not? 608-796-2558. Call and text. I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grand as well. Kelly and Barnabelle says, so the thing that drives me nuts is the inevitable third quarter slump. I used to blame it on McCarthy's uninspiring personality and halftime pepless talks, but it keeps happening. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like Mike McCarthy, if his tenure in Dallas has told us anything, it's that he loves to delegate. Kellen Moore is going to do the offense. John Fossil's going to do the special teams. Who's doing the defense in Dallas now? It's not Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn's in the Giants. Dan Quinn is with, where the hell is Dan coaching now? Where's Dan coaching is if I know him personally, Dan Quinn, football coach. He is, oh, he is with the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. Mike McCarthy has surrounded himself with guys who can do it themselves. Like definitely like they can handle it. So I don't know that Mike McCarthy really does anything. If that tells us anything about his time in green Bay, maybe it's that he really wasn't that hands-on. He really didn't take it upon himself to do some crazy pep talk at halftime. I think Matt LaFleur just lets this team be player led. So maybe Matt LaFleur is not feeling the need to, you know, really like, I don't know. Maybe Matt LaFleur isn't going into the locker room thinking, I got to get these guys fired up. I got to, I really got to do something. I I think maybe he's more passive too. I want a coach that can provide a swift kick in the pants when necessary. Matt LaFleur maybe need a little bit more of that. Thank you for the text, Trish. Again, 608 7962558 7962558 and Twitter at Wisco Grant. I understand Tampa was without Evans, without Godwin. The O line's banged up. No Akeem Hicks. That's why I kept saying last week, the Packers got to win this game. I don't know they're not favored, but they have the advantage in this game. The Packers didn't have all of their healthy wide receivers and their offensive line isn't at full strength either. But that's been the reality for Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers has known since the beginning of camp, these are his guys. This is who I'm playing with. Al Lazard be playing with Watson and Dobbs and Tunyon, who's come back from an injury. Brady thought he'd have Godwin and Evans and Julio Jones, and instead he's throwing to Bashad Perryman, Russell Gage, and Scotty Miller, right? So the Packers should have won that game, and they did. Yeah, it got close, but it's Tom Brady, and they're in Tampa Bay. Tampa's defense is unbelievable. They hit so hard. They're so aggressive. Nothing comes easy against them. I take a little umbrage, just a little, with those who are being critical of the Packers this week. I think Cowherd was yesterday. I always listen to Cowherd, right? Our guy Nick Wright, my guy Nick Wright on his podcast, I was listening to it last night. He's like, oh, I I actually am not, I am not that impressed with the Packers win. And I'm thinking, oh, well, they won 14 to 13 or 14 to 12. So I'm I'm sorry, are we, wow, groundbreaking take. Team wins a game 14 to 12 and you're not blown away? Wow. I wonder how much much did Fox pay you to... Crank out that take. Man, let's be a little more positive. Let's celebrate some wins. Rockin' Rick. One of the most positive guys I know. 608-796-2558. What's up, Rick?
5: While you were uh, doing your Elvis impression of Brett, it reminded me of a, I don't know, it was an interview I heard quite a few years ago, and I don't remember the game, but uh, supposedly Brett threw five interceptions in the game. And after his fifth interception, he comes to the sideline, and I don't know if it's when Daryl Bevel was still the quarterback coach or not, but he comes up to Brett and he says, uh, he goes, well, maybe we should take out a game. And Brett didn't even hesitate. He goes, why? He said, one more. I think I got the record. Yeah. So, you know, he, he let it. I mean, I want it to bother you when you screw up, but you got to get over it and go on. You know, in, in these three games, we're like 20 feet and – uh, two holding on to the balls, he would have had four more touchdowns. The yeah. first game, you know, Christian dropped that one on the, one of the first plays, and then against Chicago, five feet farther, probably even three feet farther, he would have had Lazard in the end zone against Chicago, and then on that free play Sunday, we'd thrown it 12 to 15 feet farther, he would have had uh, Cobb for a touchdown. And then uh, Aaron would have fumbled. You know, we've had four more touchdowns, and yeah. I mean, I, it would have probably set way different tones in the game. I don't know. Like I said, I, I think Aaron's amazing, but he's he's got to be able to get over this stuff and uh, you know do his job. I guess.
3: Yeah, it's it's tough to mentally flush those things. You know, like when I've like, and maybe we can apply this to our own job in some way maybe we can't but like when I start a show and I'm tripping all over my words it's hard it's hard to turn it around and and feel confident and clean for the next hour and a half if the first half hour of the show is a complete and total disaster you know or if I'm struggling or I'm tripping over my words so I I do get it but Rogers is so good he's so so good we just need to be able to flush some of these mistakes and I don't know if that's a Matt LaFleur thing I think Matt LaFleur has got to take an active role in that He's watching from the sideline. He should be able to feel when this offense needs a kick in the pants or an adjustment, right? He should be the one watching on the sideline, ready to step in if, if need be.
5: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And uh, just so you know, I didn't listen to your show when you were stumbling. You've been amazing since I started listening to you. Oh, Keep it, keep it up.
3: Thank you, Rock and Rick. You have a good night. I appreciate the call. 608-796-2558. I do stumble from time to time. It's weird. Sometimes you just, some days, I'm sure you guys get it. Like, I can't talk for today for whatever reason. A couple tweets here, at Wisco Grant. Lucas says, I hope the Packers do not rush back. Alexander, save him for Buffalo. Our next four opponents are like my sex life. A little bit promising, but in the end, very disappointing. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to respond to that. Uh, I, 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 I don't. Lucas, I don't know what to tell you. All right, let's shift to this. Let's read this tweet from Rob Lowe's Hat, which is an excellent Twitter ABI. Well done. It says, Absolutely shocked that the National Talking Hats played a great Packers win at Tampa. Defense was flying around the field, and offense did just enough. Offense also showed some signs of getting things together. And it's not just the Packers. I don't mean to be woe is me. The national media is mean to my team. This happened to all the teams. I don't know what it is. The Sports Talkers last couple of weeks are like, oh, what was the game that everyone like really enjoyed I'm going to poop on that game. It's just so, I don't know. It's so lazy. I don't like doing that. And hey, you know what? It's hard to win in this league, which is my new favorite expression. It's hard to win in this league and the Packers have won the last two weeks. All right, week one is a throwaway, sure. Week two doesn't really count because it's the Bears, okay. But I, I'm i not going to throw this game to the side either. They beat Tom Brady at home in Tampa Bay where they never win. They didn't score any points in the second half, Right? That has to mean something. That has to mean something. It has to. And I, I think it means something in the here and now. It's something that they can build on coming this weekend and over the, the next couple of weeks. Their upcoming schedule is, as Lucas pointed out, it's not great. Uh, certainly not a bunch of juggernauts in there. I'm going to pull it up just to make sure I don't get it wrong. I have it pretty well memorized by this point, but not close. They're going to have New England this weekend, which we can talk about next. Giants, Jets, Commanders. I love that. I absolutely love that. So the Packers should be able to stack some wins, and I am uh, with you, Lucas, as well. Uh, the sex life thing, now that's your that, that's your cross to bear, but I'm with you on Gi Alexander. There's really no reason to rush him back if he's not 100% ready. That's the advantage of having a deep, uh, deep defensive backfield. Lots of corners, lots of safeties who can play, and Nixon looked pretty good. Nixon will have an even easier week this week because we're not playing against Tampa. All I guess Tampa was banged up. We'll see. Nixon looks pretty good, though. 608-796-2558. Let's go to the phones. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this?
6: Hey, Greg. Good afternoon. This is uh, Corey out of Marshall. How you doing? Corey and Marshall.
3: God, it's good to hear your voice, Corey. I'm doing well. How
6: about you? All good. Just heading home here. Uh, I typically call in the morning, but uh, this is a pretty good conversation. I listened to you afternoon and felt the need to give you a call and um, put yeah. in my two cents. So... There's an old saying in military theory that the enemy gets a vote, too. And that's where I kind of look at the Packers' offense, the Tampa's defense. Mm -hmm. I think as Packers fans, sometimes we get a little bit too much naval gazing and don't really give credence to the other team as much as we should. Yeah, Uh, Larry McCarron likes to say, you know, the other guys get paid, too. Mm -hmm. And in this case, that applies pretty well to the Buccaneers' like I'm not absolving the offense of like having their woes. I agree. Like I was yelling at the TV, probably along with a lot of the people, <laughs> yeah. especially when they fumbled the ball. Right? Yeah. You got to take a, I take a step back. I say, okay, Tampa's got Pro Bowl players at all three levels of their defense. We can acknowledge that and still say, okay, it's still unacceptable that the Packers' offense played as poorly as they did. However, they did enough, as you noted, to win. And in the past, they've lost those kind of games because their defensive special teams, quite honestly, bleeped up and gave the game away. Yeah. Now, if the special teams are actually being an asset, finally, that's a big deal, right? They finally got some guys, they finally got serious about playing special teams instead of taking dudes out of the car dealership and saying, go, you know, do something special on this team. Right. Yeah. Kudakun's finally got serious about a third of the team that they had really not done before. And panel Donald is now a weapon. So I guess my main point would be is, while I think the offense needs to keep improving, it would be nice to see him get a little bit more, let's let's say, rhythm going and flow. I think part of this is the early season growing pains that they yeah. are going to go through. And I think this is a special circumstance. You're playing Tampa Bay. That's a really damn good team. And the way that the, the conditions they're playing in is we're pretty tough conditions. Basically, it's like dropping us in the middle of summertime or like when you guys are out at the zone social. Yeah. That type of heat humidity oh. and saying, okay, go pound for three hours yeah. and don't get cramps. Yeah. So, I'm not as, like, freaked out as I probably was on Sunday after you kind of have some time to, you know, kind of chew over, mull over in your head and think, okay, what does this really mean in the larger context? And you made a great point. The upcoming schedule, they should be able to make some hay here. You pointed out with the farming analogy. Oh, yeah. you got to make hay while the sun shines, right? Mm-hmm. Now is the time to make hay while the sun shines is when you're playing some teams that aren't necessarily as, as talented, let's say. Yeah. Every game in the NFL is tough. Uh, I think that Jets game will actually be tougher than we think it's going to be because right. they've got a pretty good wide receiver there. And they always have one of those games where it's just like you kind of pull your hair out and you're like, why is it so tough? Why are they, they at think, right?
3: the Jets again? Didn't they play in New York in 2022? Shouldn't we be hosting
6: think, the Jets? I I think that game's at home. Take, sure, take a look at that schedule because it's at uh, – Oh. Because they've got <laughs> – they play uh, – New England this weekend. You're, you're right. I'm, I, I'm
3: looking at the Patriots yeah. schedule. How did this, yeah. what did I click to look that's at the Patriots right. schedule?
6: Hey, it's a Tuesday. You're, we're not really hitting the stride until like tomorrow. Yeah, Thursday. Yes, they are, they are the hosting the Jets.
3: We're, we're all over this. Yep. You're all over this, Corey. Thank you.
6: <laughs> and then they get that London game in there. That probably will be a little tougher, You think, too. That jet lag. Yeah. Six hours ahead of us in London. I don't know why they didn't take the bye week in the weekend after that. That was a confusing one to me. I want to be honest. The NFL doesn't make a whole lot of
3: sense sometimes, does it?
6: Well, I, I think the Packers were able to choose which weekend they wanted for their bye. Because I think when you go to London, you have to take a look at this. But I, I want to say that when that first came out and the schedule came out on that, that that question was raised. It's so like, OK, why don't they have a bye week after this? And it's apparently up to the. Teams if they want to take their bye week after that or not.
3: They want it as close and to the playoffs as possible, I
6: guess. Apparently. That's the only thing I can think of too, because they've got it in December, right? Yeah. But man, that's that's late. They
3: like all these teams like late buys. I, I get it. I am uh I am late for a break, Corey. But it was nice to chat with that's you call right. back sometimes. I will this is the first time I was able to get through, so I want to get going. Yeah. Have a good night, Corey. Appreciate it. You too. That's our Bye. 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 new friend to the show, Corey and Marshall. I also—I'm not going to lie—I really have to sneeze. This never—this never happens to me on the air. I don't think in the four years of the show I've ever sneezed on air. So I'm going to take a break now to make sure that it doesn't happen, and we'll come back. We'll talk more about this coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
3: Thank you. This goes sports show. No exaggerating, I sneeze three three seconds, three to five seconds after taking a break. I just sneeze so bad. I'm sorry, Corey and Marshall. I I was trying my best not to sneeze. I feel like I underserved you in your call a little bit. I will be better next time. I swear it. By the old gods and the new. I've been watching Game of Thrones. It's bad. I don't need to watch it again. I don't need to invest all this time into watching it again. I'm going to do other things. Like watch the Brewers tonight. Or listen to Kenny and Heilbrunn, which is coming up from 6 to 7, right after the conclusion of this show. Looking at Ben Kenny's outline. He tweeted out, at Benzie Kenny. Says, Wisconsin versus Ohio State game reaction. The many, many areas of concern. The Wisconsin football program's current measuring stick is, question mark, and rest of season predictions. So, if you really want to hear an autopsy on Wisconsin-Ohio State, that's coming up with Zach and Ben. A little bit more than an hour. Coming up in a few minutes, I'm going to call my shot again, little, and I'm going to predict how this upcoming Sunday is going to go. I think the Packers are going to blast the Patriots. I don't think it's going to be close. And you might think, well, Grant, that's not like the Packers. They don't blow anyone out. They They only play hard when they have to. Well, yeah, you're right. Like The Bears game is a good example of that. They've just decided that week one doesn't matter. And they're maybe correct to a degree. It's still a little bizarre how laissez-faire they are with week one. But I I get what you're saying. I think the Packers are going to score 35 points on Sunday against the Patriots. We'll talk about why. I I think I know the motivation. I think I I know what will motivate them to play that hard and to win by such a margin. Uh, And we'll talk about that in a few. Rockin' Rick. Says, maybe it's tough after 18 years, but Aaron needs to find that little boy in him that really loves to play football. Here's the thing. That's what psychedelics are, like, supposed to be good at, which he's really into, I guess. So, I, I don't know. He's talked about how psychedelics have helped him rediscover his love for the game. I wonder where he'd be without him, honestly. Jared DeForest says, to make the Brewers, the playoffs are going to, or to make the playoffs... I swear I, 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 do, I do talk for a living. I read and talk for a living. Jared, let's try this again. To make the playoffs, the Brewers are going to have to do what they have failed to do all year. Take care of business against the lower tier teams. Yikes. By my boo estimate, the crew can't afford more than two losses in nine games. And even they would need help with only two losses. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. two losses that that checks out that plays I was going to add to what you said but I think you nailed it I think they have room for two losses if they go seven and nine I think their chances are okay because I I think Philly's just going to keep collapsing because that's because that's what they do (laughs) it's just that's what they do they're going to keep collapsing Ben Kenny's been on it I listen to Ben although Ben is a little bit of a curmudgeon Ben is also right about most things a great many things Especially his Philadelphia teams. Although I think he's he's a little down on his Eagles. He shouldn't be. I don't know why I'm the one uh, when I filled in with him and, it, well, him him and me filled in for or Bill. I need to take a break. It, it, this is uncanny. A couple of minutes ago, I talked about how sometimes I misspeak on the show and then I can't get over it. and It's very much like Aaron Rodgers in the offense. And then I have done exactly that over the last 25 minutes. I shouldn't have even brought it up. I shouldn't have touched it. That is my bad. Let's let's get a a fresh start. This is halftime. We're going into the locker room. And my head coach hopefully is gonna give me a swift kick in the behind and tell me to shape up and start pronouncing words correctly and speaking clearly. We're gonna come back, talk about Packers Patriots, why I think they're gonna hammer New England on Sunday, take some more calls, and remember Mike Clemens is coming up at 5:30 as well. Wisco Sports Show back in
0: two minutes. Rolling 10! Incomplete! The Packers are going to win it! Devondre Campbell says no, no, he got his hands on it. And Green Bay's going to hang on. One thing we always talk to our guys
1: about, how do you respond when adversity strikes? And I thought our defense, you know, allow a touchdown there in the two-minute drive and reset themselves and play that final play.
2: This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks, the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. Hold
3: on. I'm getting in a Twitter fight. Uh, Zach Heilbronn and Ebo are coming for my guy, Ben Kenny. Uh, and, it, and it's a load of crap. Ben Kenny on Twitter making a good point not that long ago. He says, the more important program of measurement is located one state to the west. Well, I'll read the whole tweet, actually, for context. He says, using this current iteration of Ohio State as a measuring stick for the Wisconsin football program seems a bit unfair. The more important program of measurement is located one state to the west. He's right. Ben is right. And Zach and Ebo, who I also adore, are mocking him on Twitter. He's at Ben Z. Kenny, by the way, if you want to go find this. I said this this morning on Emo Show. I said, you guys, you have all of these signs all over your studio in Madison where over the line broadcasts every day from 6 to 10. I said, you guys have all of these little signs, these little pins and stuff around the studio that say beat Ohio State. I said, you got to take those down. It's lame. You, you, the new sign is beat Minnesota because that that is our that's our measuring stick now. Whoa! That's not how this Wisconsin program judges them. Okay, well then the program is a miserable, terrible, awful failure every single year. Oh, beat Ohio State! Yeah. Okay. Do we eight years from now? Are we can eight years from nine years from now. When when are we going to do that the next time? When was the last time they beat Ohio State? Is that the the Gilreath return? It just seems a little dumb to compare yourself to a program that you beat. You know. I don't know, every couple of presidents like, hey, you know, first term of Obama. I guess we beat Ohio State once and I guess that remains the standard. I feel like we've opened up a can of worms now. I wasn't intending to talk about this, but whatever. I'll get in the trenches and talk about this. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. If you want to enter the Twitter fray, uh, mostly to defend me, please, because I'm right. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant Vagabond John. Has answered the bell of this conversation, and I'm glad that he did because I want to discuss this with someone. 608 796 2558. What's up, Vagabond John?
7: Ben Kenny is wrong about a lot of his takes. Okay. Right? That, that dude is wrong very often. This is not one of them. Yes. Um, yes! You know, back in, I called the Bill Michaels show when you guys were guest hosting, and I said, you know, I was being pessimistic, John. Pessimistic, now I can't talk. Pessimistic, it, it, John. The thing. And saying, hey, if Bram Mert sucks this year, we might see the end of a bull streak. And I was and this was when Ben said, you know, oh, there's no way we could lose to Washington State. It's ridiculous that you would even say that. We have Jim Leonard mm-hmm. on at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. The man who can give up twenty eight points in seventeen minutes. I mean, he is the best defensive coordinator in the country. And if that's the case, I mean, what the heck are we talking about? Ohio State Listen, do we really think the Brewers could ever beat the Dodgers in a playoff uh, series? No, right? The reason is it's pay-to-play. Major League Baseball is pay-to-play. If you look at college football, I think the two sports are the only two sports in major, you know, and college basketball could lumped in there as well. But they're really the two sports where, it is very clear that if you want to compete for an actual national title or Major League Baseball, a World Series, you have to spend money. And on that scale, Wisconsin Badgers, we're a, we're a small market team. We're spending $400,000 a year on recruiting. Yeah. Texas just spent like $280,000 in one weekend in yeah. recruiting. We're, you know, it's a small market team. We cannot use Ohio State spending about $2 million a year on recruiting and like 8 million a year on their coach, whatever it is, you can't compare that. Let's look at Iowa. Let's look at Minnesota. Let's look, look at the things we can control, right? Can we beat the Cubs? Can we beat, beat, beat up on the Reds? Can we beat up on the Cardinals? I think there's a lot of parallels, and I know you love baseball, so that's why I kind of went in that direction. But can we beat the teams that we can control and make our fan base feel a little bit better like we're competing? Because at the end of the day, this is entertainment. This is college athletes entertaining the masses can we still be proud and not be on the level of ohio state i argue yes because we can look at our peers we can look at purdue we can look at iowa we can look at minnesota and say you know what we stack up pretty darn good against you know uh what 115 of the 128 college football teams so that's my take i do Separately, over-the-line take is I do think Jim Leonard is the most overrated coach in football. And the reason is, in order to be the most overrated, you need to be incredibly highly rated, right? I don't think he's bad. I just think he's getting a lot of praise. And, uh, you know, his defense is ranked high year after year because he plays Iowa every year. I mean, he doesn't have to play a tough schedule, but that's my uh, so.
3: So here's the thing. I, maybe maybe, maybe Zach and I, I'm fighting with Zach on Twitter right now. Maybe Zach and I actually agree. Now, the standard for success for Wisconsin is winning the Big Ten, or at least winning the Big Ten West, correct? That's the standard we hold ourselves to. I, I think Zach is saying that, and he's saying that by saying Wisconsin expects to contend with Ohio State every year. Okay, that's great. That is the goal. That's That's what we want to do. That's what we should want to do. That's the goal. What I'm saying is, You've beaten Ohio State one time since George Bush was in office. I get that it's night. Like, the goal is to beat Ohio State. But, you know, the thing about goals is, like, we want them to be attainable so we can actually accomplish them. And I I feel like my goal for this team now is to whoop Minnesota every year. Like, if you could give me that, I, I will take it. And anything past that is great. Win the West, make the Big Ten title game, maybe get in a good game with Ohio State. I just... I just think it's so bizarre that people are like, we judge ourselves against Ohio State. Well, then the team sucks. Like, then the program sucks if we're judging it on
7: that curve. You know what I mean, Vagabond John? And 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 then we have nothing to be proud of. And I think if you don't want to use Minnesota, maybe that, maybe Ben using Minnesota, the program that we dominated for two decades, is getting people a little riled up. And yes, they're on the rise. And Ben's point is, it's more about Minnesota getting better than it is about Wisconsin getting worse. True. And I agree with that as well, but... If you know, if Badger fans want to use another program, I mean, let's look at Michigan State. I think that's a comparable program for Wisconsin, right? They spend pretty close to the same amount of money. They, they outspend Wisconsin recruiting, but on coaches and whatnot. Um, you know, they got a similarly sized uh, football stadium, and you know, they also get their butt kicked by Ohio State just about every year. Michigan is a program that I think is one step up above Wisconsin. And I know that people will gripe because, oh, we beat them three times the last five years. Yeah, sure. But they, you know, they were in the college football playoff last year. They won. They beat Ohio State last year. And so I think they've taken that next step. But I think what people are really mad about Twitter is specifically using Minnesota. I think Ben would agree that you could sub Michigan State, Iowa, you know, some of these other tier two, maybe even Penn state, right? Maybe you can sub Penn state in there, but I think those are better measuring six to your point than Ohio state.
3: Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm tooting with Zach right now. I, I think we're agreeing. I just think we're saying it different ways and Vagabond, John, I appreciate you jumping in here and talking badgers with me for a couple of minutes. There's, there's a difference. Like, okay. The standard and the goal is to win the big 10 West and to win the big 10. And in saying that right, the goal is to contend and beat Ohio state the goal and the standard of measurement are two different things. And I think that's where we're getting crisscrossed here. I think that's, I think that's crisscrossed. And I think like Minnesota historically has been terrible, right? So I think that is raising some alarm bells with Badger fans who admittedly might be bigger diehards than me. It's like, wait, we're comparing ourselves to Minnesota. No, 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 this year. Yes. Not in the grand sense, not from here on out. That's not what I'm saying. No, 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 no. I'm saying I I don't, I don't want the goal every year to be beat Ohio State. It's a little bit like Coastal Carolina starting 8-0 and saying we want Bama. It's like, okay, that's that's nice. That's a nice rallying cry. But do we you know, does that make good logistical sense? Is that actually the way we want to shape up expectations for our team? I think Zach and I, and I understand we're the two fighting on Twitter. I don't need to explain this all to you, but if you want to go back me up, please do at Wisco Grant. I think we agree. The standard is the standard. The ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan once said. I'm not saying that Minnesota is the new Wisconsin. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I'm just saying that beat Ohio State is not a bumper sticker that I'm going to slap on my car because I'm going to be disappointed for uh, long, long portions of my life. Uh, You know, 10, 12 years at a time. Aaron in Janesville says, to make an exact comparison, Badgers fans calling OSU the team to compare themselves to is like Bears fang. That their organization is on par with the Packers, it's delusional. Oh, okay, okay. Uh I, I, I'm just gonna keep reading. Hold on, Grant, you were correct about the Minnesota take. Badgers fans like to think the program is very chesty, and we are blind to see the Gophers are creeping up on them. Okay, here's the thing, and if Zach and/or Ben, especially Zach, are sitting in the studio in Madison waiting to begin Kenny and Heilprin, and they're hearing what I'm saying, I, I want to make, I want to make it very clear, I'm not saying that the Gophers are now on par with the Badgers, and the Badgers' sole purpose in life every year is to contend and beat them. The Gophers have not done anything for basically my entire life and maybe the majority of your life as well, right? Like, they don't win the Big Ten. They don't – they're not a successful program. I'm not saying that the Gophers have now arrived and the Gophers aren't in the new Badgers because the Gophers need to do it for another 30 years to become that, Right? I what I'm saying is not reverence for Minnesota. I have nothing but disrespect for that poverty organization and their creepy head coach. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying I'm not giving a shred of credit to Minnesota here. I am simply saying that w- we cannot think of ourselves on a, a level even similar to Ohio State and judge success or failure on that on that level, right? Right? I think we're in agreement. I think if I were in the same room with Zach and or Ben, Right now, I think we would agree. Problem is we're fighting on Twitter, which I just love. I just have so much fun with it. But it's funny because I saw them tweeting about this, and I said, oh, we talked about this on the show in Madison this morning. I said, you got to take down the Ohio State signs, put up Minnesota signs, although that's expected, right? That's a given. And we'll see. There's so much yet to be decided in the Big Ten West. And normally I don't talk about college football because it's not my forte, and that's fine. I'll admit it. I'm a man. I'm comfortable in my insecurities, in my... Uh, my areas of weakness. I just feel like there's so much to be decided. Minnesota looks really good. Wisconsin looks bad. I, I just, I, I feel like we fast forward three weeks down the road and we could think very differently about this conference in this division. I don't know. We'll see. All right. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to cause an uh, an employee disagreement. Uh, sorry. At Zach Heilprin. Love you, buddy. Come on my show later this week. Maybe we can talk with about
4: this it. Wisconsin sports zone network update. I'm Zach Heilprin.
3: I'm Zach Heilprin. Wake the Badgers on Twitter says, I think Iowa and Michigan are good programs to, quote, compare. Iowa and Michigan are probably good. Iowa, man, Iowa's weird. Iowa is such a weird program. I think their offense is stuck like 100 years ago, and they're stubborn, and I think they're a team with a ceiling. I don't think Michigan has a ceiling because Michigan gets the bodies in the public Like, Michigan is so damn good. And they have Harbaugh, and that's different. Iowa just churns out NFL talent, and they play very sound football, but I'm never terrified of Iowa, like ever. Even the best Iowa teams over the last couple of years, it's never a team that I'm terrified by. Michigan, I'm not terrified, but I'm intimidated and respectful. Ohio State, I'm terrified, and I should be, because what did we see on Saturday night? Uh, That concludes uh, Talking Big Ten. Uh, That will be enough for today. We have Mike Clemens coming up in a little bit. I want to talk more Packers coming up next. Let's take an early break, clean break. Let's not try to half-ass little Packers conversation before this break. Let's just do it. Let's pause for three minutes. We'll come back. I want to look ahead to New England and I want to try to put myself in the mind of Matt LaFleur and what he might be coaching and telling the Packers this week. And then we'll get to Mike Clemens at 5:30. Perfect. Great. Everyone in agreement? Agreement. And again, go back me up on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Zach has more followers. I, I need the help. So please and thank you. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
3: I hate the Brewers. Like, I want them to make the playoffs. Love the players. I love Craig Council. I just hate this organization right now and everything they do. This isn't surprising and yet it makes me upset. McCalvey. The Brewers are planning to recognize Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina's pending retirement prior to Wednesday night's game, their final game in Milwaukee. Why? Why? Oh, it's cuz they're they're all-time greats. I don't I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. This team, this franchise is such a joke. God. The Cubs the Cubs shouldn't have done it either. The Cubs were giving away What did they give away? Did they give away a base or a bat or something? I don't know what they gave away. They did something for him, and I and I saw that at the time. I said, "Oh, that's a joke." You know, back in the day, I, can David David Manona, are you listening? Can you please call? I want to complain about this. This is so stupid. What happened to just despising your rivals? The brewer, the Brewers. Think of this. Think of this. The Brewers are such a what's the word? I I, I don't think that's I don't think I'm allowed to say that on air. I am thinking of a very specific word. But I I don't think I'm allowed to say it on air, so therefore I am not. Uh, I'm trying to – I don't even know. The Brewers are the type of organization honoring their baseball rivals isn't enough. Honoring the Cardinals who play in their sport and division isn't enough. The Brewers are such a blank organization that they feel the need to honor the rivals of their other in-state teams. It's like, well, we'll honor Wainwright and Molina – and poo holes. that's not enough. Oh, the, the 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 Packers play in our state? Let's also honor one of their rivals and have Charles Tillman throw out the first page. God, this organization is such a joke. Do I still have that drop from our friend Bart Winkler? Oh, yeah, from the trade deadline day. I love this. This is a
6: garbage trade
3: made by a garbage organization. I said I wanted to talk Packers-Patriots. I've said it for 45 minutes now. I, now I'm upset about this. First, Zach baits me into a Twitter fight. And now Adam McAlvey has baited me into being mad about the Brewers. Cone Roller is here. 608-796-2558. Cone, do not even try to tell me that I'm overreacting about this. Do not tell me that.
4: About the Brewers? Yes. No, I am with you. I am, I am at my wit's end with this organization. We are a bunch of losers. Capital L Losers.
3: There's a, I'm going to tweet out the word. There's such a perfect word that I have to describe this team. I don't, I'm i pretty sure I can't say it on air, so I'm going, to, I'm going to tweet it out at Wisco Grant. This is so predictable, Cone. That's what's so frustrating is I I could have bet my house on this. I don't have a house, but if I did, I would have bet it on this happening, and I'm still upset that they're doing it.
4: I know. It is just like these guys have dominated us for 15 years, and now we've been a lollipop and a standing ovation. It's like, we should be, uh, I don't know. Driving them into the ground, slash their kneecaps or something.
3: I agree. I, we shouldn't be happy about this. We should, you know what? I would prefer. I would prefer that the Brewers purposefully get these two games rained out, even without rain. They should make up a story about how the roof is broken to hopefully get these games postponed so the Cardinals cannot clinch on their home field. That's what I want of my home team and their rivals. That's what I want. Also, I just got three Twitter followers. <laughs> that's funny i said i was going to tweet out the i was tweet out the word that i wanted to use about the brewers that's funny i should do that more often damn yeah Cohen. i'm upset about this but it's it's not surprising at all do you think the brewers are going to make the playoffs
4: no i and i don't care i don't know what the magic number is <laughs> at i don't know i what. don't either <laughs> who, who are we even been competing against now san diego this
3: is what's so nuts is they're right there looking at a playoff spot and I'm not even looking at the standings I have them open in one of these tabs hold on hold on I got history of Badgers Ohio State I got that rivalry the Brewers are a game and a half behind the Phillies or are they tied for the Phillies see I don't even know how to read these standings they're looking up at the Phillies and the Padres and the Braves
4: I mean they've been a game and a half the last like month and they haven't made any progress it's been the same old team blowing leads frustrating. Council's over managing once again. This team has no, no, I don't know, no will to win or what it is, but they're just, it's just (sighs) losers up and down.
3: I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I don't get it. I want them to be petty. I want them to hate their rivals. And I guess, like, when you're in the building and you're seeing these guys, it has a humanizing effect. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not in the building. I watch at home on TV, and I don't like these guys, and I don't want them honored on my home field. Why don't we give away a, a collectible NFT or, or, or a bobblehead to commemorate? Let's give a Melina a, a Molina bobblehead away while we're at it. Why not? Why not?
4: Well, and tell more tickets for Mark. <sighs> oh,
3: God. I hate the I didn't. I didn't think I was going to talk about this today. All right, Cone. I appreciate you calling. Thank you. Have an awesome night. No
4: problem. Go, I don't even know what team
3: to say. Go Packers, I guess. Go Packers. Uh, Really quickly, I do think the Packers are going to blow the doors off the Patriots. I wanted to bet it this morning. So I have a buddy that lives in New York. And sometimes I have a a small group of high school friends. I only have like two or three buddies from high school that I still talk to. And we have a group chat. And one of them lives out in New York. So every once in a while, I'll be like, hey, do you want to put a little money on this just for fun? Just kind of as a friend thing. I suggested like five bucks, ten bucks earlier today. It's like, I like the Packers chances to cover 10 and a half. I know it's a big number. I just, I like it. I think the Packers are going to roll on Sunday. And I texted my buddy this morning in the group. I was like, hey, anyone want to, you know, throw a little bit of scratch on this? Just, you know, fun social thing, social gambling. Love that. And he's like, oh, I don't know. 10 and a half is a big number. And I said, well, whatever. We're cheer for the Packers anyways, right? Might as well bet the team that we want to win. And the last time, the last time that we had this guy place a wager on something, he waited a day and the number moved. And... I'm not that sharp of a gambler to where it matters. Although half points and points can make a huge difference. It was an MVP future in the NBA and it didn't end up hitting or no, no, no it was a finals future. It was a finals future. We got really long odds. And the, the whole, the whole point of it was we wanted the long odds. We were betting the the dog. We were betting the number. And he like dragged his feet two days before he bet it. And the number moved and I was peeved at him. And today I'm like, buddy, I'm not going to say his name, buddy, Put the money down before the number moves out. Because I thought the number might move to 11. Like, I, I don't know how anyone has any confidence that New England can hang with the Packers on Sunday at all. Then I said, bet it before the money, bet it before it moves. So we did. And then I see later today that it moved down to 10 and not 10 and a half. And I said, damn it. The one time our friend actually bets something on time, it's the time that the number moves in our direction. Sick. Really good job. We are just a sharp gambling syndicate, as you can tell. God, I'm just, I'm just, I'm so frustrated. Not, with this and with the Brewers, this show has taken a turn. I did not expect it to take a turn like this. I do think the Packers are going to blow out the Patriots. I think if I was Matt LaFleur this week, here's what I'd be preaching. I'd be preaching to my guys, hey, the Patriots, who have been the vaunted creme de la creme of the NFL for 20 years now, are vulnerable and their lackluster quarterback is hurt, and we're playing Brian Hoyer, and we got a defensive coordinator coaching O-line, we got a special teams coach calling the offensive plays. We smoke this team on Sunday by multiple scores. We can end their season. That's my selling point. If I'm Matt LaFleur, I'm saying, hey, look, we got the one and two Patriots coming in here. They're already reeling with an injured quarterback. Like, we can end this team season. It's not like their schedule is actually brutal moving forward. They have Detroit then Cleveland, then Chicago, then Jets, then home to Indy. They got to buy Jets, Vikings, Bills. They don't have a murderer's row of a schedule. But I I, I genuinely, truly believe if the Packers smoke the Patriots in commanding fashion this weekend, that ends the Patriots season. I think that's it. And that's really appealing to me. There's a lot of meat on that bone for me. I like the idea of my team doing that to another team. Some might say that the Packers should actually have a ceremony honoring Bill Belichick for all of his successes of the last 20 years. Some would say that all of those people who would say that also happen to work for the Brewers, but some would, I'm not one of those. Some, I think the Packers need to absolutely blast the Patriots. And I think in doing so, they can effectively end their season. And that sounds really fun. So let's get after that. And if the Packers need motivation, they need a carrot to actually play hard this weekend. There's the carrot. I found one. So if anyone can pass that information along to Matt LaFleur, please. And thank you. Uh, tweet me at Wisco grant. We're going to take a break and I got to shut the phones down. Cause we're going to get our friend, Mike Clemens on the line. To get him on the horn, talk about Sunday's game and what he's heard and seen from the players since that game went down on Sunday. That's coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. On a fake.
0: Rogers in this extreme heat. Rogers fires quickly in zone. It's caught for the touchdown by Alan Lazard.
3: The only two guys who knew that could have been thrown are Alan Lazard and Aaron Rodgers. Everybody else on the field. They're just running a run to the left.
7: You know, two and one sounds a lot better than one and two. These are the wins that you get early on in the season that can help you separate yourself from the rest of the pack come December and January. So tough foul win. Hopefully we won't play in weather conditions like this again um, for obvious reasons, but great, great team win.
6: I'm going to hurl.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's Alan Lazard. We all saw him doing his business by the bench. At least he didn't pull the Adrian Hauser and do it on the field. It's like I'm I, going to excuse myself over to the bench first. What a gentleman. Uh, not the Adrian Hauser. Right on the pitching mound. Mike Clemens is here. Mike this is a big week for the home field advantage in the south you know for all we talked about playing at the frozen tundra in soldier field miami that was brutal for buffalo and i saw tom and the the sweat beads dripping down his forehead before the game in tampa it was hot down there
1: yeah you can feel it Um and even in the production meeting with uh, kevin Burkhardt, who i think is my favorite play-by-play guy at the networks at the nfl i don't know. You know, uh, right after Kevin Harlan, I think he does great, too. He's great. And Greg Olson, the former tight end. Um, you know, the Packers, Lafleur told them in the production meeting, yeah, you know what, we, we had meetings where we turned up the heat in Green Bay. We made these guys work out in the Hudson Center. Every day there was some heat there just to remind them, it's going to be hot and humid on Sunday. You know, hydrate, get your rest, get ready for this situation. But so there's this incident where, you know, you're going down to the locker room. You're going to get ready to hear press conferences from coaches and players and wait for the locker room to open. And, you know, players are still up on the field, and some of them get stopped by the network, like Tom Rinaldi, mm-hmm. who's the sideline reporter for Fox. And he stops Aaron Rodgers, you know, post-game. Hey, you know, how was the game? And then he asks him this question, where Rodgers brings up this thing about the jumbotron, to which the little floor had to answer more questions about yesterday. Here's, a, here's that clip.
5: So you come all the way down and talk to Matt LaFleur during that final drive with the defense on. What was going through you during the two-point conversion, especially after you saw the fact that they took the five-yard penalty? Well, they should have on the
6: previous play, too. It was a delay on both plays. But uh, sometimes you see things in the game. Sometimes the jumbotron shows things they probably shouldn't show, even at home. Uh, I saw something and just passed on the information. On
0: the the two-point play, what happened there? Um... Mentioned on TV that he saw something on the on the jumbotron. Can you kind of detail any of that at
1: all? That's a question for Aaron.
0: <laughs> how helpful was it? Whatever whatever it was, how big of a deal it was what it's was great
1: really question for Aaron. Oh man.
3: Why couldn't we just I, I saw this after the game, Mike. I saw Rogers mention this to Tom Rinaldi, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna become a thing. This will be asked about an oppressor, and then Rogers will give an answer that will lead to more questions and he'll give more details on the McAvee show. Like I, you could just see this whole thing coming a mile away.
1: Well, see that you know you got good instinct now, and you know you're hosting your own sports talk show, and yeah, and you're right on. And for me, it's kind of like, hey, Roger said something up on the feeling. Like, you know, I got it right here. You know, <laughs> and then, but you, it's 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 a few hours later, and you're up in the press box, and you see everybody going crazy on Twitter about this, and you say, okay, I guess we got to track that down too. You know, I mean, yeah. it's not like you just talked. To, to, you have you have these players. By the way, um Devondre Campbell said, oh yeah, no, that two-point conversion play when they lined when the formation lined up that way. When Russell Gage, their wide receiver, who ended up having their most catches with those other guys that were uh inactive because of injury, when he went into motion, they look, you know, Campbell looked at Darnell Savage and said, "Here it comes." They knew the play, they'd rehearsed it last week in doing their game prep. And so sure enough, if if Campbell doesn't make that great athletic move, and that literally pulled the ball out of the air yeah. from Tom Brady's little flip pass. At least Savage was there to cover it. They knew they knew what they were going to try and do, what zone they were going to try and tack with the coverage. So, yeah, you're right. Rodgers hopped on McAfee today. And, uh, and, but see, there's a lot of fans that were tweeting, we saw what looked like an iPad. Yeah. You know, that was up on the jumbotron, some weird shot of the bench. And so maybe Roger saw that. Maybe that was the play. So here's what Roger said today. I did see something on the jumbotron Tron that, that I went down and relayed to Matt. I'm not going to get into exactly
6: what I saw. Or if it even had an Im- real impact on the play, I think that's kind of inconsequential. But um, but I just thought, well, I, saw, I, thought I saw something. I walked down really? and I, I relayed it to Matt. Whether that got relayed to Joe or not, I'm not sure. Either way, it had nothing to do with the two-point conversion. There was not an image of, like, the, you know, the uh microsoft surface or anything on there (laughs) that would have been pretty funny though but even still you know even if you if you know something's coming and you relay it um you still got to go out and execute i'm so confused mike i'm
3: i'm more confused today it's like so you saw something but it didn't have anything to do with the play you don't know if it got down and also i don't care like this is what rogers does to us it's like this it becomes a story and there's layers and layers and layers. What what are help me understand this cuz this progression from what we heard Sunday to now really doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Well, my interpretation of what Aaron is saying is he saw something and to me I'm thinking it's something that was up there in terms of formation okay. or substitution, you know like what the what personnel group was getting ready you know, just some sort of cutaway shot and why he would tell Tom Rinaldi. I don't know why they would put that up on the screen, uh, referring to the stadium crew. Yeah. Uh, but obviously it was something that's, that's not normal. And, and by the way, according to what Aaron said today was, yeah, the thing I saw in the jumbotron was about four or five plays away from the two-point conversion. And so he went to LaFleur to say, hey, look, First of all, you got one timeout left, so don't forget to, you know, to use that here or whatever yeah. in case we need to get back. You know, he's looking out for himself, right? Yep. And then the second thing he said was, and by the way, I saw this on the Jumbotron, whatever that was. You know, so that's where it went. But um it, you know, <laughs> and I'll tell you what, do you know I met LaFleur is standing up there and saying, you'll have to ask Aaron cuz he cuz he's been coached yeah. About this, and it's like we we just want the win. Yeah. We don't want to be accused of Spygate. We don't want somebody going to get in trouble, you know, at Raymond James Stadium. Yeah, we don't want some sort of internal NFL investigation. You know, Aaron should have shut up and not said that. Yeah, you know, to Tom Rinaldi. Um, yeah, you know, Ixney. You know, it's on the so, jumbotron. I I feel like it's fair
3: use, but then again, you just it's just a distraction and it's a can of worms that you don't really need to open. And I knew when I saw it with Tom Rinaldi after the game, I'm like, here's here's the thing for this week. Here's the
2: thing that yeah, we need to talk you know, about.
1: <laughs> Aaron Rodgers and 68,000 or even James Stadium saw it, you know, because there were a few people that tweeted like, hey, look at that. They've got, they've got a picture up there or something, you know. Yeah, yeah and I hey, gotcha. it, it, it's it's the uh, it's the game within the game. That's yeah, the best part. For sure, yeah. And I get that, yeah. I, I get it. Look, if it's on the Jumbotron,
3: like that's just being observant. I did like the part about him coming down and saying, hey, remember we have a timeout. I'm not going to need it because the game's essentially over, right? So if you see something, you might as well use it like that. That I like. I like that communication on the sideline. Um, and I like that those two are maybe conspiring is a poor choice of, of a word, but working together and communicating to make sure they've got all their bases covered.
1: Oh, and the other thing is that Look, Aaron Rodgers is older than some of his assistant coaches, and he can game manage better than anybody. Yeah. And and Will you know, says, "By all means, if you see something twelve, let me know, you know, because you see this stuff faster than than anybody else does." Yeah. So you're playing the New England Patriots, a team that lost to the Dolphins. Uh, they had one win, and then they. Uh, they, they looked like they were going to take on the Ravens, and then Mac Jones, the quarterback, was a kid who's got a lot of promise. Has this extremely painful? What they think there's going to be a high ankle sprain. What the, you know, they say there's obviously some tears and some ligaments. Whether or not he's going to have to have surgery for it, I still haven't heard from the Patriots camp. It sounded like the team was trying to hold off for surgery. See if they could just let it trying somehow to heal in six weeks, whatever. That's going on. But now this is, you, you want to talk about coach speak out of New England. Um, you know, Bill Belichick's got this interesting collection of coaches these days. He's got Joe Judge, who had been his special teams coordinator, who failed miserably for two years with the New York Giants as a head coach. Matt Patricia, who we got to interview at at the Super Bowl when he was defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and it looked like the Lions' job was all his even before they played the Super Bowl. Seemed like a really smart, a guy who actually started out studying rocket science when he was yeah. 25 years old. That's where the the pencil and ear bit came from. Right, guy. He goes to he goes to Detroit and he just he's just a total idiot. He lost that whole locker room, you know, within a few months, and they couldn't wait to get him out of there. And another defensive back coach, Mike Pellegrino. And then Steve Belichick, the son of of Bill. He's now a linebacker coach for his dad, you know, like he's in his 30s. So the question to this collection of Patriots coaches, it's a little montage here to save you a lot of time. Yeah. Um, They were saying, all right, so are you going to have Brian Hoyer as your backup quarterback? And what's that going to be like putting up 36-year-old, you know, eternal backup (laughs) Brian Hoyer up against a future Hall of Famer like Aaron Rodgers this Sunday?
4: Well, obviously, we always look to play to our players' strengths, and every player has a unique skill set, every player does certain things a little better than other things. So we'll have a plan, you know, based on who's going to be the quarterback, and we'll see how that develops throughout the week. And obviously, Brian's done a lot of things in his career that maybe we implement, you know, maybe we don't. We don't want to go ahead and, you know, completely turn the offense on its heads. we feel that we're making some progress. Well, 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 the head coach Matt Patricia. You know, the quarterback position is no different than, than any other position, so uh, whatever, you know, Winds up happening as we go through the course of the week, we know that those guys will prepare uh, to be ready to go play. And certainly with Hoyer and his experience, I think that's what he does every single week. He's been doing that for a long time, so he's ready for that. That's
6: the bad coach, Mike Pellegrino. Be excited for the opportunity. You're going against one of the best players in the National Football League, maybe one of the better guys at that position. So, you know, we're excited for the opportunity to go out there and compete against a guy like that. You know, if you love football, like, that's what it's about.
8: I play a good quarterback every week, and... You know, I've always said that the no two players are the same. You know, a great example being when we have Jason and, and Devin here in our building. They're identical twins. Um, they're from the fantastic institution of Rutgers. And, you know, even those two guys, they're not they're not the same.
3: Well, they're not wrong. Uh Brian Horrier is certainly no Mac Jones, but here's the thing, Mike, like the Patriots have looked really just underwhelming they've looked really uninspiring and uninteresting like they just don't have a lot of great players this isn't just a quarterback thing like yeah hoyer is no mac jones but the team hasn't exactly looked great even with mac jones healthy up until this point
1: you know though nelson aguilar made some nice catches sure and oh what parker they got Devontae parker uh hunter henry is a guy that i actually saw coming out of uh combine that i thought you know had some promise so you know, in typical Belichick fashion, he's brought in some some pretty solid free agents. Like you say, maybe nobody uh, flashy, but you know, he's such a good coach fundamentally yeah. in teaching the basics that you know I still think that he, you know he could be a uh, above five hundred team this year and, and maybe slip in now with Mac Jones gone. And that's you know, again, you lose your quarterback, you're in serious trouble. They tried the, the Cam Newton experiment. I thought Cam Newton was overrated. He went all the way to the Super Bowl that one year, uh, and then he just got clobbered by the Denver Broncos and was never quite the same guy after that. Yeah. So whatever. Um, I just, by the way, Steve Belichick, I mean, he looks like <laughs> his father with a blonde mullet yeah. and eyes that look like he'd been up you know, smoking pot all the night before. It's pretty funny. Pretty funny resemblance. Yeah, it's
3: funny. Well, all these coaches, like, they, they got their kids on staff. They got their own little mini-me. Like, Belichick, yes. yeah, these two look exactly alike. It's like he's got his own little assistant. Uh, and I right. know and th- there's other examples in sports where there's, like, an assistant coach that looks like the head coach. None come to mind. Yeah, and but, Bill,
1: yeah. Bill, Bill's father was in coaching, too. You know, so, I mean, you know, Bill Belichick is a, you know, NFL, a football life story, uh, to be sure. It's just, I don't know. It's just because Belichick is such a character. Yeah. You know? he's so everybody thinks of him as the, you know, Ron the Cincinnati guy. Yeah. We're on to Cincinnati. So there was this one time about a year ago where he got a very straightforward question. Why do you, you know, when you're putting together a roster, save a whole roster spot for a guy who all he does is long snap? I mean, can't you have one guy that's maybe a backup, uh, you know, like a Taysom Hill? Like, sure. So he can do this and, and snap at the same time. So, Belichick was asked that question at a press conference about a year ago, and I think he was showing off. Here's here's how it went down.
5: Is long snapping that difficult that you need to use a roster on one player who does only that? Can't you just cross-train a few guys to do long snapping and then use have more flexibility with that roster spot?
8: Yeah, well, you know, uh, Ben, it's, it's an interesting conversation and one that's really, um, uh, I would say, honestly, during the course of my coaching career has has kind of traveled that that long and winding road um, from when I came into the league. Uh, the specialists, first of all, there were no long snappers, but the specialists, the kickers and the punters um, were frequently position players, uh, and that's where they came from in college as well. So a lot of the good college punters and place kickers also played a position, and then uh, as time evolved, you know, starting with like Gogolak and guys like that, uh, you know, they specialized in kicking. And then you had, you know, some of the punters that specialized in punters. So uh, players like Danny White and Tom Tupa and uh, guys like that who were so are, wait, you know, Mike. Very good I, like, I don't mean to do
3: this on the air. Um, so this is this looks different yeah, on my screen. It's How it's long in, is this cut?
8: Gino Capelletti. Uh,
1: he goes on for like ten minutes. He start he's starting <laughs> off with the nineteen fifties and sixties. <laughs> <60s. laughs> It what? goes on and on. It's like an encyclopedia. <laughs> it's just talking about long snappers. It's Belichick saying to the Boston media, yeah, okay, you guys, you're always trying to hit me up. Uh, uh, how, how much do I know about long snappers? Yeah. How much time do you have?
3: Yeah, you think That's my answers is how are too smart
1: cool. I am. You think
3: my answers it's, are too short? I'll, I'll give you a short answer. Yeah. Here, take this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of long snappers, hey, Mike, I don't want to jinx it. I'm going to knock on wood as I say this. The Packers special teams looked much improved, dare I say, even competent on Sunday.
1: Overall, the feeling in Green Bay between LaFleur and then beside, between Rich Besaccia and some of the veteran players is it's attitude. And it starts with the special teams coach and how he's training guys and the fundamentals the extra time he's getting on the field, the better, more efficient way he's using players on the field. Passaccia had a really good explanation. He said, look, you if if you're a tight end, if you're the number three tight end, mm-hmm. but you're going to kick off uh, you know, recovery and, and punt recovery, right? You have to get these snaps in, in at full speed. And so a lot of teams make this mistake like, well, gee, you know, we need them for 11-on-11, or we need them for something else in today's practice. So we don't want to gas them on that stuff. Just kind of go half speed, just sort of a dress rehearsal. And then that's why you get the results that you have. So he says, I've got about a script of 12 to 15 plays I've got to run. I don't expect a guy to run 12 gassers, but you know what? I'm going to hand you a script and say, uh, you're in number three, number seven, number nine, and number 12 today. Mm -hmm. Four times... You've got to run down the field like it's live. To know how it feels, to know how quickly you have to react. And you're seeing those results.
3: It's impressive. This Rudy Ford guy is just gunning his hinder off, let's say. Amari Rogers maybe like time and place on the field, a little bit better spatial awareness, maybe. But if he's not muffing kicks and for the most part he's knocking the ball down, I'm not gonna complain. I just want to check, hold on really quick, see if worry about punt block Oh yeah, he's still going.
8: It was also he's still going below. Consistency yeah. and durability with those players. So long snapper. A long was also a long snapper. Unlo- long you know, snapper. Uh,
0: one guy, Mike. I got
8: to ask
3: you because you're like the perfect uh, guy to talk about this. Density. This, and I, I truthfully, honestly, don't know how to say his first name. Nixon stepping in and playing a lot of snaps for Jair. Let's talk about him for a minute before we part ways for the night. He was really impressive on Sunday.
1: Keyshawn was from Los Angeles. He played at one school, and then he played a couple years at South Carolina, undrafted. But got picked up by your Las Vegas Raiders, and Mike Mayak brought him in, and Rich Basaccio there was working for Gruden at the time, a, a defensive back, but a guy who, you know, earned his way onto the 53 in Las Vegas as uh, a, a gunner, which, by the way, the Packers are now calling Flyers. I don't know sure. if that's to be politically correct, but <laughs> the guys on the outside running on the field. Yeah, and nice. I thought that Keyshawn had a, an average camp. I thought he was making mistakes. Then he had some injuries, so we couldn't really see him, you know, in, in certain parts in a preseason. But, um, boy, Jair goes down six plays into the game with a groin injury. It, you, you could see he couldn't even keep up with you know, old Kyle Rudolph, the former Vikings tight end who's now playing with Tom Brady. And so he pulled himself out of the game with his groin. And in steps in Keyshawn Nixon, who's lining up, you know, as the nickel. Yeah. And they kick Rasul to the outside. Rasul Douglas might be a better corner than a than a nickel guy, you might be finding out. And he's just all over these guys. He knows where they're going. He's prepared. He under, You know, He's watched the film. He's ready to step in. I mean, you know, he did a really nice job covering these second and third string Buccaneers wide receivers. Yeah. But, oh, my gosh, they, he gets the forced fumble. Um, he... You know, it's like this is why Versace recommended him, and man, did he have a great game uh, up against Tampa Bay.
3: Yeah, Versace's got a pretty good sense for, for talent. At least maybe maybe Versace can help provide some things that the Packers have been missing the last couple of years. Well, Mike, I got to let you go because I got to get a break in. Can I play you out with the voice of Bill Belichick here? Yeah. Well, yeah,
1: I guess. Yeah, he's talking more about the long snapper, the history of the long snappers in the NFL.
3: It's a darn shame. I'll have to to play the whole cut. Maybe tomorrow I'll play what we missed. Thanks, Mike. I'll talk to you Thursday.
8: Thanks, Grant. Yeah, have a good one. The holder and the kicker, which I would say, generally speaking, is at a pretty high level, which it should be.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
3: Let's go sports show. We only have a minute and a half left. It is not Friday. It's Tuesday. I play Buffett because he has postponed and or canceled his remaining 2020 tour dates uh, because he was briefly hospitalized. So instead of lambasting the Brewers, I think I'm using that word correctly, or talking about the Badgers or the Packers, I would like to take the final 30 seconds of the show to send good vibes towards the way of Jimmy Buffett. Get well soon. Love you, Jimmy. Ben's up. Kenny and Heilprin coming up in about three minutes. Now they're going to be, I believe, stream only tonight. If I'm wrong about that, I apologize because the Brewers are kicking us off here in a few minutes. But go to my Twitter page at Wisco Grant. I will retweet Ben Kenny's tweet when he tweets out the link of tonight's Kenny and Hyalprin, and you can listen to Zach and Ben break down Saturday's game. I'll be back tomorrow at four. Talk to you
2: then.